The word of God for our meditation this evening is taken from the book of the prophet Isaiah, the 40th chapter, beginning with verse 6. The voice said, cry out. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. O Zion, you who bring good tidings, get up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, you who bring good tidings, lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. Thanks be to God. Let us unite our hearts in prayer. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the precious gift of your holy word, by which you keep us always ready for the end of this world and the life that is to come. We thank you also that through that precious word you have given us the knowledge of your grace and your mercy, your kindness in Christ Jesus. We pray that you would continue to hold us in this grace throughout our lives as we look forward to the day we will see him face to face in glory. We ask it all in our Lord's saving name. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed who have been purchased and bought back to God by the suffering death and resurrection of his only Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And God's grace, kindness, and compassion are yours to be found only in that Savior. Amen. When I was a student here at Bethany, there was a group of five of us that were planning to go to Florida over spring break. And uh, we were planning this ahead of time, maybe about a month and a half or so, I would say. And a couple of my friends lived next door to each other who were going on this trip over in Tigan Hall. And they decided to use their two big windows in Tigan Hall to count down the days to spring break. And uh, they put up an enormous three and an enormous eight on one window, eight on the other. And every day for about over a month, everybody knew exactly how long we had until spring break would come. It was like an enormous ticker calendar counting down for... uh, for when that time would come. They were so excited to go to Florida. Everything that we have in our world is in some form counting down. There's kind of a a tickering down of everything in our lives and in our world. Everything we have in front of us, everything in this room, has a calendar to it, an expiration date. And that's true in our cars. Even though it's going up, there's actually another one we don't see going down, and that is how many miles left on that car before it finally conks out on us. The clothing that you're wearing, the food that you ate for supper tonight, your computer, and even your body, it all has what we call a shelf life. It all has an expiration date that will bring it all to an end someday. Now, we're very impressed with man's ability in this world and the things that can happen to us in this world and in this life and some of the progress that can be made even in your own lifetime as young as you might be you've seen things that have progressed and 
maybe gotten a little bit better. Technology has provided us with some amazing things and some amazing answers. And it's very easy for us to get caught up in all of this and in our youthfulness and in the beauty of the things that we can see in this world. And maybe athleticism, athleticism, even things inside of us, talents and things that, that uh, get better and improve. And uh, possibly even as you leave college and go out into the world and you're earning potential, there is much about this world that can be like a lovely flower. Um, our text talks about the loveliness of the flowers of the field. And that's true. If you pick a flower at a certain point in time, it just has a beauty to it. And it can be so impressive. People can take and put them on their dining room table to, to kind of decorate an entire room. People carry them down the aisles at their, at their weddings and uh, use them in celebrations. But there's also a point in time where the flowering things of this world ultimately go away and fade away and die. There's always going to be a final deteriorating moment for the life of a flower and anything else that this world offers us. And tonight our text kind of shines through with this very stinging reality, this very stinging truth that all of us need to face that's easy to kind of overlook, especially in our youthful years. Listen again. All flesh is grass. Just think what that's saying. All flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass, the grass wither, the flower fades. I remember seeing pictures of my wonderful grandma when she was in college, and she liked to play tennis. This is back in the 1920s. And I've got these great pictures. She took a whole photo album of herself playing tennis in these long white dresses and everything. A beautiful young lady. And yet, when I was in high school, I remember going to see my grandma, and she was so nice and wonderful. But her skin was starting to get age spots on it, and finally her skin, her skin would get so weak and tender that it would even crack and break open a little bit. Well, I'm starting to get those age spots now myself. And uh, it's, it's quite, a, quite a lesson to us of what happens to us and even to our bodies. All flesh is like grass, it says here. Could, could God the Holy Spirit have come up with something more insignificant to depict how the, the, the glory that we have in this world fades? Could he possibly have picked anything else than a blade of grass that gets thrown into the fire? Back when I was in college, uh, there was a popular band called The Who, you've probably heard of them, and Roger Daltrey and Peter Townsend were really the leaders of that band. And they had a song called My Generation, and it included the line, I hope I die before I get old. And both of those musicians today have been struggling with cancer issues for the past 10 years of their life. And interestingly enough that that um, here during their youthfulness they had such glory and, and now they're having to deal with that. So what, what musicians from your era, what musicians that you love and listen to now or actresses and actors are going to be struggling with cancerous issues when they're in their 60s and so on? 
This life offers us moments of glory, a time of glory, but it really doesn't last very long in the big picture of things. It finally fades away. We even see it among our best athletes. A friend of mine is a doctor and he told me once that our respiratory system, our, our lungs and so on, develop upward all the way until about 20 or maybe 24, 25. But from that point on, it, be, it stops growing and it actually begins to fade and it begins to go downhill. And the tissues in our lungs by age 25, he said, begin to slowly start dying. Now just think of that. Already by age 25, according to your respiratory system, you're over the hill. <laughs> the paradox that we see in our text is this. The church, the church that proclaims the reality about this world and about our bodies, is often considered to be out of touch. The church is charged with, with thinking about things that are so irrelevant and so far away and, and so non-existent. And so those who preach God's word are often kind of given that, that charge against them, that they're really so out of touch. And yet, when it comes right down to it, the church is really the only institution in the world that's actually in touch with reality, that actually proclaims the reality of this fallen world. And God continues to send his messengers out, just like Isaiah here, God continues to send out his messengers into this dying world with this wonderful message of hope, a wonderful message of hopefulness and life, something that counters all of this death and destruction that ultimately will come to everything around us. In our text, he refers to this Zion, his Jerusalem, that's his church of believers, those who've been brought to faith in the, in the great Redeemer that's coming back. And this, this voice of his church goes out into the world and in its own quiet, sometimes subtle way, proclaims this wonderful message of hope and life. And it has that message of hopefulness to it because it preaches Christ. It brings Christ crucified and the risen Christ to the world and everything that he represents and everything that he brings for us. And it proclaims to the world about his second coming, that the one who's already defeated death for us is coming back to redeem us, to, to buy back and take back with him to an eternal home where there's nothing but life to the people in this dying world. And so God instructs his church, the believers in this world, not to be shy about this, not to, not to hold back. Listen, he, he says, O Zion, you who bring good tidings, get up on the high mountain. O Jerusalem, you who bring good tidings, lift your voice with strength, lift it up, be not afraid, say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. And that's the, that's the, the purpose of leaving us here in this world now, in this dying world is so that we can point out to the rest of the people who are also going to die just like us, behold your God. There is a God who has triumphed over all of this death and destruction that's going to come to this world. And God has given us the knowledge of him. And by faith in him, we triumph ourselves. The very little thing inside of you called faith that we can't even see, that God himself works in our hearts, beats all of this, beats all of the destruction and death that is coming into this world. 
And so it won't help anybody in the world, ourselves included, for the church to be silent. It won't help anyone for us to hold back and to, to somehow not let this message be known. So God says, lift up your voice with strength. Just think who we represent as believers in Christ. We represent the living God, not a dead religious leader like all other religions. We represent a living God, the Son of God himself, who has gone through the chamber of death with the keys, unlocked it, and now hands them to us through his word and in the waters of baptism. This powerful Son of God who clothed himself in humble human flesh and let himself go through death, did that all for you and me and for everyone in the world so that we could now proclaim the wonderful truth that we have in this risen Christ. And just like a victorious king back in the Middle Ages who would go and defeat an enemy and plunder them and bring back wagon loads of treasure back to the people in his kingdom, so the Son of God now comes to you through his word and sacrament. He has defeated the powers of hell. He's torn their gates apart. He's made death nothing. And he now brings back the spoils of that war, having plundered the devil and everything that he represents. And through his word and sacrament, he comes and he gives that to you. And he brings that wonderful victory to you. And so he says to you and me tonight, be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Amen.